Hey, what's up, tribe? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the TFC Audio Project Down Under. So this week, I'm joined by Mick Stewart, who is a personal trainer and a running coach based in Tenerfield in New South Wales. Throughout this episode, we talk through Mick's fascinating journey with running and his philosophy and approach to coaching it. We talk through the power of the breath for controlling your stress response and improving running performance. And we discuss his Run for Fun program, which is his latest online project that aims to help people actually find the joy in running and build a sustainable habit that will serve them for a lifetime. This week's episode is brought to you by TFC Footwear. We now have a full range of Vivo Barefoot's natural footwear on our website and new stock is set to drop next week. If it's natural footwear for running you're after, we couldn't recommend the Primus Light Range more highly. They're a recycled active trainer that's designed for uninhibited movement. We're also stoked to say we have our own Disrupt FC 0.5 minimalist shoes back in stock too. They're a super affordable alternative to the more expensive natural footwear on the market. You can check them all out at tfc-shopaus.com or head to the link in our show notes. To say thanks for listening, we also want to offer you 10% off. Just use the code DOWNUNDER at checkout. All right, Mick, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, mate. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, pleasure. So we connected through Instagram. Um, the amount of times that I say that on these podcasts because I connect with a lot of people through Instagram, but you reached out and we got um, on a phone chat and got into what you're up to uh, with like your running program and some of your running goals, which kind of shocked me a little bit, um, but also made me really interested to to learn more about it and also to share it out with our community. So I'm, I'm excited to dig into all of that, uh, but I usually just like to start with you know, a bit of your story and background, um, sort of who you are, what you do, why you do it kind of thing, and we can just roll from there. Awesome. No, thanks for that. Well, yeah, my name's Mick. I I, brand, I, wear, I have a company called Uncage, where we're a strength and con platform, developing busy people to live high-performance lives in life, not as in athletes. So it's for everyone so you can have that adventurous lifestyle, do all the things you want to do, but for the busy individual. Mm. My background is, funnily enough, the complete opposite. I was brought up on yeah, in the country life, living in on the border of Queensland, New South Wales, which I'm back now because of COVID and all this yeah, stuff. Right. But yeah. I actually was brought up with the whole animation and games and stuff, and that was my original profession. I went into animation and game design. Really? Yeah, right. that was really fun. Um, and that's what really inspires my fitness today is those – seeing those good training monologues from like animation movies and stuff like that. And <laughs> I, that always drives me to want to try and do more with my own training, but it wasn't until I got out of university, did a bit of games in Brisbane before the industry went belly up in there and then went into being a glass blower down in Nimbin to being the beer taster at Dan Murphy's. And oh, right. that put me up to 150 kilos overweight I see. So health and fitness yeah. has not, my first half of my life was not very big on the health and fitness. True. Yeah, beer tasting would do it, hey. Oh, <laughs> it would. It was, beer every day. Yeah. it was good. It was, uh, I love it. I still <laughs> use a lot of it. I'll, a lot of my clients are surprised when I say, hey, if you go this beer, the calories are, <laughs> might be more, but the consumption rate will be a lot less, so you'll end up not having as much. Uh, so, inside knowledge. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, from that, 
I my big turning point was my wife. She was my girlfriend at the time. Wanted to take a break, and I was like, I want to marry this woman. What's going to make her want to hang out with someone like me? Mm. So that got me into training. Got me into doing the first doing the first thing I could think of that I hated, which was running. I lived the Daisy Hills at the time, so we lived in all those hills there, Daisy Hills. So the first thing I said was, I'm going to run up that hill. I Nasty. Did, did that every day until I got a cheap pair of cheap um, gym set of like bench and some barbells, and then I was just training in the garage as much as for about two hours a day till I found supersets. Then it was one hour of that, and then running everywhere I can. And next year, you know, I lost a ton of weight. Epic. Yeah, and then my friends and f- friends and family were like, hey, can you train me? And I was like, if I'm going to do this, I've got to do this properly. So I went into Australian um, Fitness Institute to do my PT and my massage therapy. And uh-huh. after doing completing all that, coming out of it, I've just loved the industry and I've just loved getting into learning more about the holistic side of living and trying to get people to – function better with less rather than trying to give them more. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty important, yeah. hey, because everyone's being told that they need more of this, more of that. Um, but when you can get sort of the like the minimum effective dose, like just get them doing something that they can stick to, then that's, that's ma- like a massive key. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. And um, so obviously <laughs> you started off – picking running because you hated it so much or you would dread it. And uh, over time, you've obviously fallen in love with it by the sound of it. Oh, yeah. Running is my favorite thing of all. It's the favorite, It's the thing I do to center myself. It's the thing I love coaching, especially to getting people back into coaching. Um, it's my favorite. I love running because it's the one thing where you can, it's the first level of survival we have as humans. We can change our environment with an instant if we can run. Yeah. That's your first I saw defense. a post, I saw one of your posts that talked about that. And it's something that, are like the same kind of sentiment that I've heard from um, like Erwan Lacour on some of his podcasts and just about how, you know, and, and other people as well, but like running is such a fundamental human thing and it can not only like if you can run, not only does it reflect a good level of functional strength and aerobic fitness and so on, but it is literally can be the difference between life and death in certain situations. And no one necessarily thinks that they're going to be in one of those life and death situations, but, you know, until they are in that and then they're like, geez, I wish I could run better or do more here or i'm really thankful that i can't that i could um could run or sprint or you know yeah change change my position quickly whether it's climbing or swimming or running running but running is that real obvious one that i think everyone should be able to do absolutely running is literally freedom (laughs) yeah yeah and so was there a point in your journey like you started off hating it and dreading it was there, do you remember, was there a point at which you were like, actually, no, I love running or did it just sort of happen gradually and, and you sort of fell in love with it over time? It, yeah, I think it just gradually, it just, it ticked to one point. It just, I was, I remember running cause where I was living was great. Cause I was at the base of Daisy Hills and it was just a straight up hill to the next street up the top where it had this nice, beautiful lookout. 
So the first goal was running up there, and I think that's what made me love into it because I went from somewhere where I was at the base of a hill looking up, and then when I got to the top, I got to see so much. And it was going through trails and all that, and I think that's what made me just mm. love it was I remember just one time when I missed one, not, I didn't run for a couple of days, and I was like, no, I want to get back into this. I want to, I'm, I'm itching for another run. So, yeah, just sort yeah, of like right. clicked for me, but. I think, yeah, it really started clicking when you got to see so much more that you can't see in a car or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and it's interesting the how you can transform a sort of drudgerous activity that, you know, a lot of people do go for runs, but I, I do feel like a lot of them see it as like a chore, like something they have to do to stay fit or to make up for how much they're eating or um, you know, just something that they feel they should do. And, and like I said before, I think it, I think it is, I think running is a skill that all humans should be able to do, or, you know, the vast majority of people should be endeavoring to be able to run. But at the same time, when you have a switch in mindset and maybe when you push through the suck a little bit of that initial suck of being uncomfortable and, you know, feeling the calves burn and your lungs burn and, and all of this, then your brain, yeah, something can switch in your brain and you realize it, it's, it's a biological, it has to be a biological evolutionary thing that is like we are built to run and we are the most efficient runners on the planet, not necessarily the fastest, but definitely the most efficient. And you can sort of turn that really drudgerous work-based activity into more of a a play sort of enjoy enjoyable sort of play-based activity, which is something that you mentioned on the phone the other day. And it really sort of resonated with me. Yeah. Like, well, actually there've been studies that have shown that the dopamine levels you get from actual physical running combined with breath, breath, breath work and letting yourself relax into the run is exactly the same that is found in cannabis. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we do have that natural dopamine that comes from running because it is a sort of, it does combine all elements of the body. There's the rhythm of the feet, the rhythm of the arms and how the body flows through that moment and also the rhythm of the breathing. When that comes and harmonizes, and this is where people don't find that point is that harmonization between the two, those elements, that it, that's where they find that blockage when you actually succumb and relax into it and find the harmonization. That's where you can get that enjoyment out of running. But as you said, most people look at the running as like, I got to be this certain speed. I've got to do this certain amount of calories to burn because I had a pizza or something mm, instead mm. of being lost in the art of I'm running, I'm moving. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I was having this chat with Tom uh, who's, He's the breath guy. He's called Breath Performance Physio on Instagram. He's been on a couple of podcasts before. He's, he's a good mate now as well. But we were talking about, well, I had a whole podcast on breathing for running. And I'm keen to hear about your journey with that. But we were saying how r- running, like there's a stressful pattern of breathing and a sort of more relaxed pattern of breathing. So, that, you know, the difference between mouth and nasal breathing. And if you're running and you're trying to you know, zone in and get into a really good mindset and a flow state with the run, if you're using a stressful pattern of breathing, like upper chest and mouth breathing, it's going to be really hard to get into that. And you're going to, like, you're going to end up more stressed as a result of that run. Whereas you can use this, the run to de-stress or relieve stress 
if you are tuning in to your breath and like you said, syncing, syncing that rhythm up together. And at the same time, you get much better performance, much better recovery. Um, and yeah, it just feels way better. So yeah, what has your, like when you first started running, were you just oblivious to the breathing um, or did you sort of know about it already or what was your journey there? Uh, so yeah, when I first started running, didn't really think too much of breathing. I was, well, I'm asthmatic and so I was just always assumed that breathing was just something I sucked at and couldn't fix. But after the first diving into running mechanics and seeing how ancient Spartans and hunter-gatherers techniques used to be on running and mechanical usage of the foot and developing that, it made me start going down the hole of like, how do I get this stuff? Because like the one thing we're designed to as humans is breathe and for some reason I already sucked at it. You know, it's like... (laughs) And being in that whole anime thing and reading of ancient warriors and Greek gods and stuff like that, it's like I'm already sucking at the one thing I want to do. So if I back in those days, they would have thrown me. So why mm-hmm. this can't be a thing that I want to be stuck with? So that's why I started going into the breathing mechanics of it all. Matt looking down Wim Hof, Oxygen, Advantage, and Brian McKenzie, all those guys, and doing a lot of their stuff. Yeah, and I realized I wanted to start improving it and when i made the adaptation it's it was the best thing i ever did it was made a, one the running was way more fun because it's now easy to program for myself and my clients on a, a how i'm breathing rather than on what time or speed i should be doing mm-hmm. but it also for me as an asthmatic it's stopped me using ventolin which is something i was told i was going to have to use for the rest of my life i haven't used a puffer for about four years yeah wow yeah, that's so epic. Like I've heard a lot about uh, people's like based off reading Oxygen Advantage and just, you know, being around that uh, circle. I've heard a lot of reports of people essentially fixing their asthma through changing their breathing pattern and, you know, applying different um, techniques, breath hold techniques and so on. And but I've never actually met someone who's done it. <laughs> so there you go. But it's it's definitely possible. And I think there's a same with everything, I suppose, or most things in the medical system, it's quite a disempowering model where it's like, oh yeah, you've just got asthma. It's genetic. There's nothing we can do about it. You just have to manage it for the rest of your life versus, uh, well, asthma is a breathing condition. It's related to inflammation of the lungs and so on. We can change that through habits and exercise and, and yeah. And once, once you know that, I mean, I don't know, did you realize that you'd be, fixing your asthma with, with the breathwork stuff as you went or did, did you just uh, eventually you're like, oh, I don't have to use my puffer anymore? Uh, yeah, basically just realized I was grabbing my puffer less and less and then mm. when the occasional time it, dug, it did start flaring up, I realized the connection between the stressful breathing that was causing it and how mm. to actually fix it through breathing. So I've even actually gone into asthma attacks and pulled myself out of them by by focusing on my breath mechanics and what the environment's like yeah. from at that point. Yeah, because I imagine it's a a bit of a negative cycle where you feel an attack coming on and then that makes you more stressed because the feeling of not being able to breathe really sucks. Mm. Um, and uh, not that I've had asthma, but I've been choked before in jujitsu and you tap out real quickly because it's it's uh doesn't feel good um and that's related to breathing and blood flow but either way the feeling of sort of being really low on air and trying to suck in air 
um, doesn't feel good. So it's a stressful thing, I imagine, to feel an asthma attack coming on. And then the more stressed you are, the more those breathing mechanics get um, disrupted. And then the, the more the attack comes on, basically. Yeah. And so I think that's a, that's a really empowering thing to, to realize that obviously it takes some training and some practice, but once you're aware of that, you can nip, nip an attack in the bud um, before it like spirals into a, a full-blown asthma attack. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the asthma attack itself is a perfect example of the body's difference in fight and flight and rest and digest. When you first start getting an asthma attack, you do the typical, and that is causing that fight and flight to come in, which is now taking the blood flow redirection from your organs, which you need to relax, to absorb it, to expand, and are now going to the limbs. So you're actually pulling away from being in a fight and flight state. But by using the actual breathing mechanics of trying to breathe through your nose, it will desensitize in your parasympathetic state causing the body to relax, which then can allow blood flow to come in and de-stress the organs and yeah. the pathway. So that's one thing I've yeah, been found out was very fun about it all. Very fun, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's one thing to to just improve your performance at running and just to feel more energized throughout the day and everything, which is obviously big, big factors and big benefits of um, working on your breathing mechanics. But another thing to completely resolve a a chronic, you know, quote unquote, un, unsolvable condition. Um, and so maybe for people listening at home, whether they've got asthma or not, but what, what, say if you felt an attack coming on, then what would be your go-to uh, like uh, thing to focus on or, or mechanics that you'd be focusing on trying to restore? So first thing I'd be focused, you've got to do is stop what you're doing, like sit still and start working on breathing through the nose. You can still exhale through the mouth because even though the exhale is coming up, it is actually letting out warm air rather than cold air coming in. Now, by going through the nose, there's that two effects. One, it's humidifying the air to come so it's not actually a change because a lot of asthmas have a, a lot of asthmatics have issues with the environment being changed. So it's filtering and warming up the airways for you. So when the air gets down there, it's at body temperature. But it's also hitting mucus and the filaments in the nasal cavity that are desensitizing the central nervous system, which is stopping your the amygdala in your brain, the lizard brain, part small brain, take over and create that fear state. It mm. allows the logic area still to be in charge, and that can actually then, by taking your time, even if it's just a, and then slowly trying to slow it down, that's mm. where you'll actually find you will get. The stress will decrease, and then you'll actually find be able to control of it again. Yeah, yeah. Because I imagine, because the slow breathing, I think, is a major key. But I imagine someone who's about to go through an asthma attack, they're like, yeah. "There's no way I can breathe slow. I just need to get yeah. the air in." Yeah. And so the main thing is breathing through your nose, sucking in as much air as you can through your nose, and then that will start a different cycle, more of a positive cycle, to you know reduce that stress, and then you'll be able to slow your fear, slow your breathing down. Yep, absolutely. And it also, because it's activating more use of the diaphragm, it heats up the area a lot more, which then, again, helps allow the muscle to relax. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a major a major key that people need to be aware is that the quality of air that goes in through your mouth is very different to the quality of air that goes in through your nose because of all the reasons you've just said, like the warmth, the humidity, the filtering. None of that happens through the mouth. And the, the mouth it is really a secondary breathing 
uh, hole, I suppose, <laughs> breathing uh, tool. The nose is the primary primary source, or it should be. And so if you're listening, um, the, if you can't breathe through your nose or if you find that you're constantly um, or consistently have like a blocked nose or something like that, something like that, it's very important that you figure out what's going on and try to reverse it. Cause kind of like having a, a, I like the sink, uh, the sink analogy. Like if you've got a, a block sink, you don't just, you know, ignore the block sink and just work around it. You clear the blockage because it's very important for the function of the sink. Um, and yeah, it's, it's as in, well, more important than a sink, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. It's good. I like that yeah. one. <laughs> Yeah. And, um, I think something as well, like even if you're not asthmatic, taking that approach to any situation where you find yourself sort of getting anxious or stressed or fearful about something, um, you know, obviously if you're in immediate danger, you don't necessarily have to stop everything you're doing and just take a slow breath. You need to run. But you know, if you're about to do a speech or, um, you need to have a, a, a tough conversation with someone or, you know, anything that's sort of making you stressed and fearful, then taking that exact same approach, I think would be really beneficial and something that I've found really works for me. Um, like I often focus on uh, that kind of breath work, slow controlled breathing before workshops, because even though I love giving workshops and I'm quite used to them now, then you still always get a little nervous for, you know, when speaking in front of a group. So it's just nice to have that sort of control a bit more control over your physiology i think that's the really cool thing about breathing is it's that link between your conscious and subconscious minds essentially oh yeah absolutely the ability of what breath can do on the mind and the physiology is just it's awesome it's it's one of my favorite things i still love teaching and going even into more dives about (laughs) Yeah. And like, you can take it to the extreme, like people like Wim Hof who use their breath um, and then, you know, to control their mind enough that where they can do a marathon in the snow with shorts or in the desert with no water and all of this crazy stuff. Uh, But you don't have to go that far. You can just use it to control your stress levels and improve your energy levels, improve your performance and recovery and, and, and just, just, yeah, just feel better. Like most people, it's just, it is interesting that it's just not on anyone's radar. It's kind of like the it's kind of like footwear, feet and footwear. Like people are just given shoes and they get used to shoes, and and so they just think that that's the way to do it. And similarly with um, with breathing, it's just oh well, I've always breathed like this through my mouth. Like everyone breathes through their mouth. You know, a heap of people habitually mouth breathe. I can't remember exactly how much. I think it's one or two one or two thirds habitually mouth breathe, um, which is pretty concerning. (laughs) Um, But they just don't know any different that no one's told them, no, you really should be breathing through your nose. But then once you do, it's like, wow, how could I have gone all that time breathing through my mouth? Nose breathing, nasal breathing just feels so much better. Yeah. Well, it's probably one of those things is like at first it's, hard work because we've been very unconditioned for it now. We've, mm. we've, uh, we've basically de-evolved ourselves to be unconditioned to nasal breathing. So it can be very humbling to do it. And that's what some people don't like when they can get a device to put in their mouth that's going already says it's going to make them breathe better 
even though they're still mouth breathing and stuff and help with performance. And, and footwear's the same, you know. It's the shoe itself. You can the modern shoe is literally designed way to make it more comfortable and easier for anyway, rather than actually education and mm-hmm. understanding on how the human moves. Yeah, yeah. I like the analogy. Yeah, because it is uncomfortable yeah. when you first start nasal breathing only. Like I have been doing some running lately. I haven't been as consistent as I'd like to be, but I'm I'm feeling a good. Uh, a good omen at the moment after this chat to, to get more uh, G'd up for it. Um, but one thing I have been working on in my runs is just com- like using my breathing as the measure of how fast and how long I should be going. And at first I was, cause I, I just wanted to do nasal breathing only. So at first I was running uh, for maybe I'd get 500 meters and I'd be nasal breathing only. And then I'd feel like, Oh, I really need a mouth breathing. So I'd stop. I'd walk until I controlled my breathing again, and then I would start running again, nasal breathing, and just rinse and repeat. And then over time, I sort of figured out, okay, I'm, I'm running too fast in the times that I'm running. So, you know, you can control your pace, and that has allowed me to, and obviously, I just got better at getting the air through the nose. But at first, it's like, oh, like you're really trying to get all this air and you're just not feeling like you're getting enough air. And it kind of, it sucks. It kind of feels like, yeah, it's that air, air hunger feeling that um, I think is related to carbon dioxide levels in the blood and, and so on. But as you get used to that, it starts to feel really good and you can you can find a much better rhythm with nasal breathing than mouth breathing. Yeah. Yeah, it's also, it comes down to also like, you know, it's an, un, an unknown, like when people, when you get into the first time, yes, it's a whole different way because you think you're used to be able to, you used to have drinking out of a bucket worth of air to now drinking out of a straw sort of mm, stuff. Mm. And yeah. it's exactly like how mouth breathing nasal breathing is. You know, you're getting a lot of air, but it's all going everywhere, just like you would if you were to take a bucket and put it to your head full of water and try and drink out of it. It's going to go everywhere. Yeah. But when you get a straw, yeah, you can then, you're trying to bring in just as much volume, but in a small hole. And it can, at first, it does feel like, holy hell, I just cannot get enough in. But then you yeah. realize how much of it you actually really need as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because if you're used to drinking from a bucket, you probably feel like you need a bucket's worth, a bucket's full worth of water. Um, whereas if you start drinking from a straw, you're like, oh, actually, that's a, that's enough water. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a good point because we most people over breathe. They because of especially because of habitual mouth breathing, and that leads to you know carbon dioxide. Uh, like different tolerances of carbon dioxide in the blood. And so they, it's again, it's that feedback cycle where they breathe more and more and therefore tolerate less and less um, level, less and less carbon dioxide in the blood. And so um, it does take a transition period, just like with, um, just like with footwear. Like I, I think a good strategy for people to do if they're wanting to change to barefoot footwear um, is just just run only as much as you can with the barefoot footwear on with good technique. It does get a little bit more complicated because it's a lot more related to how you land and how you absorb force and the strength and mobility in your feet and so on. But if you use that as a bit of a gauge, like for me, when I started running um, sort of, I guess, more towards the start of the year, 
I was like, sweet, I'll just test it out. I've got good foot strength, good calf strength, so on. I'll just go for a run and I'll test out a 5K. And I couldn't walk. Well, I could, but I was like hobbling around for the next week because my calves were so um, jacked up. And I was like, okay, I need, I need to give my body more time to adjust to this. And then I just went to, you know, one kilometer, two kilometers at a time, walking and running. And it's become a much more enjoyable experience. Same kind of thing with breathing. Yeah, really. both of them, yeah. In the end, your breath and your running, can, there's one big tip you can use with both is listen. Yeah. If you're loud when you're yeah, breathing, you're not breathing, you're not breathing properly. If you're loud when you're running, you're not running properly. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Actually. That's um, something I have found when I, again, when I first started running um, or getting more into it, I would listen to music cause it would sort of G me up and I'd, I'd sort of make it a bit of a game where I'd uh, run on when the music was sort of pumping mm. and when it went to a more of a chill part of the song, then I'd, walk and then run and so that, that was fun but I noticed that it was way harder for me to control my breathing when I was listening to music versus just having no music and listening and and also yeah running lightly and not slapping the ground that's a really good feedback mechanism so if you're just blasting tunes and you can't hear your breath you can't hear your feet then it's not doing you many favors yeah I, yeah, I completely understand. I normally either run without music or now I actually run with open-ear headphones. Oh. So that, these are your best. Like, So I love – they're just like this. Yep. Oh, yeah. So they sit yeah, on the so front. Like and that, you can hear your music yeah. quite comfortably, but you can still hear all everything around you. And especially being uh, Brisbane, if you're doing like the river loop and stuff like that, you've got bikes and stuff going past you and everything like that. This allows you to still have the sound of what's going around you and still have the sound of yourself and your breathing, but have let wow. you have your pump-up music without losing a full sense. That's that's cool. I'd never heard of those before. So opening yeah. your headphones. Is there a yeah. brand? What's the brand you've got? Uh, these ones are called Aftershocks. And Aftershocks. Yeah, if you check uh, out, there's a Wildfire Sport over in Milton. They've got a website and everything. Yeah, they, um, yeah, they have I live, I live literally right across the, right up the road, pretty much. Yeah, so that, so they I got, there. yeah, I ordered them from there. They got, a, they got a whole bunch of them. I send those sort of stuff to my clients all the time, and they say I want to listen to music. And I was like, do this, because then you can still. Because see, I run out in the country, and we got trucks going by that'll go past me on some of my long runs, yeah. and I don't really want them suddenly surprising me. Yeah, they can be cool. Yeah, they can <laughs> can cause you quite to jump literally out of your skins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. I'll um I'll go check them out. And also for those listening, if you are in Brisbane, uh, Wildfire does stock a range of barefoot shoes. So um, that's uh, it's a good place to go and try stuff on if you need to. They've got Vivo Barefoot and Vibram and maybe some other other models as well. But that um that's it. Something else I'm interested in is your journey with the barefoot stuff. So did you say it was around the same time that you were getting into the breathing that you started looking into more of like the function of the foot and, and how it applied to running? Yep. Yeah. So as I was getting into the breathing, um, again, it was just more of like, I didn't like the idea of having so many different shoes for so many different things. Like, because uh, I at one point I was coaching a CrossFit gym, and you'd always have people wear their CrossFit shoes, but then they'd also mm. wear if the workout was more of a running based workout, they had these cushion things. It's like 
I've just seen you jumping. I've just seen you that. Why do you need cushion shoes to run if you're jumping? Yeah. And that's yeah. what dove me down into understanding more about running. But what really got me into looking into the barefoot and mechanics was my father. He um, got out of the army after 20 years and got cartilage taken out of his knees. And that's, and they said, you know, you can only kayak for the rest of your life. And I'm like, you just told the man he can't survive. If everything was to go pitch black and we were into, had to go hunt for food and shit like that, you were saying, you just said to him, he's useless because he can't mm. even go out. So that drove me down to reading up on ancient Spartans and Greece and all that sort of stuff. And even seeing some of those first Olympians running around and it's all barefoot. Yeah, so it yeah. made me think there's got to be something with the mechanics of it all. And then when I got into there, I found, yeah, the, the mechanics of barefoot. And by doing that, then realizing people don't like seeing feet or running around barefoot. So that drove me into looking into what the shoes you can get these days. Um, Born to Run was a good group where they talk about the uh, Mexican tribes and all that sort of stuff and what they would use mm. and everything. So that really just drove me down into more geeking out about how you could do all that sort of stuff. Yeah, sweet. And so how did you go with your um, transition, I suppose? Like, did, did you fall into the trap of, you know, jumping straight into a pair of Vibrams and and uh, getting a tendinopathy or did you sort of take a smart approach from the get-go? Actually, I jumped straight into straight barefoot. Uh, but right. I was sort of lucky. So because I used to play as a kid for funsies um, and as a young adult in my early years of uni, I was playing football, soccer. And I was a goalkeeper, mm. so you always had to spend about 90 minutes on your toes being ready because you never know when the ball was going to get kicked at you. True. So I had already developed a really good base on my calf and Achilles strength. So I right. went, I was able to go sort of straight into let's try these barefoot out. And, yeah, but I was lucky for that because, as I said, my past helped build that. But I have had a lot of people that have tried it and – yeah, I mean, I didn't. I haven't. I don't do vibrams. I'm not a. I, I prefer me vivo barefoots. <laughs> yep. Yep. Fair enough. Um, only because the um, I favour the vibrams allow the toes to go up and down. They don't give you as much of a spread out for the terrain versions as you get with a good vivo pair of terrains because they oh, are, okay. because they've only got the big. Oh, you're able to still really spread your toes out. Whereas the vibrant, because there's only so much they can do with the webbing behind there, because all toes are different length and and different yeah. forms, it actually can be restrictive on some toes that I found like for myself and person. Yeah. So that's why I like the vivos, because then it opens up to just allowing the foot might not give you that up and down as much as the vibrance, but it does give you that whole spread out, which then helps with the balance a lot better. Yeah, for sure. And did you did you find when you did make that switch? that your running improved or did you sort of cop a, a bit of a dip in performance at first while you while you were figuring it out or uh sort of leveled off easy for me didn't I do too much of a dip but then I don't stress too much about my running performance because mm, mm. I'm not built like a typical runner when you took like we're all built to run of course but I run ultras and stuff like that at a lot bigger size than most of the, most of the competitors I run with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? I bet. So <laughs> to me, it was that I never really judge on how fast or that I'm going because 
I, I know I'm never going to be the quickest. Being 6'3 and 120 kilos, I'm not going to be competing with the really small light guys. Yeah. I mean, I laugh when I go to do Spartan races and my mates and that that are in the elites are like, yeah, I'm feeling a little heavy, you know, about 70 to 80 kilos and I'm feeling a little heavy. And I'm like, yeah, that's not only near me on my life's day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. It, it's, I think that's a good point. Like we're not all built to be an elite runner and some people might look at runners and be like, well, I'm never going to be like that. I'm never going to look like that. Um, so, you know, what's the point, but like you said, we are all built to run uh, or at least built to be able to run and, and to express that movement pattern. And it's a, it's a very important one for everyone to learn, no matter like if you're you know, extremely overweight or obese and you, know, you might not want to jump straight into going for 5K runs, but you, know, you, you can build towards being able to... The biggest thing I think is just load tolerance and that, that goes for the barefoot transition and and um uh technique as well is sort of low changing or um adapting to the loads that you're putting on your body and then listening to the signals that your body is giving you about how much load is enough versus too much versus not enough and um yeah i think i think that's pretty awesome that so you run ultra ultra marathons which is how is that 100k is it or I've done a hundred Ks yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm really interested in the, uh, like the mindset or the, the, yeah, like the inner game, I suppose, of those really long runs. Like how have you found your uh, experience with that? Oh, always challenging and interesting. I think I go through at least several different phases as I'm running from, this is great. This is shit. I've got to stop doing this. Oh, I should just get lighter and be a lot, make this a lot easier. <laughs> um, but I love them for just the, again, it's the journey on the way. Like I've done some amazing tracks where you've just gone, either there have been loops like doing enduro down in New South Wales and that, um, which is a 24-hour event. I'm doing the same 10, 11K loop for 24 hours and just – having that journey of the mind going through from what you know to what the body's feeling mm-hmm. and that at the time at that time of the day or night to just doing a really nice long trail where you get to see so much and taking so much beauty that this world has when we're running that you don't normally mm-hmm. see you wouldn't get to see if you were in a car or you'd see too much of it if you're walking it nice and slowly you get to see it nice and gives you so much something in quickest span of time just etches into the mind of just remembering support and that's what i love about it most yeah 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 that's epic and the you'd get i feel like you just get into such a rhythm like you'd be so tuned into your breath and your footsteps and um like does you do you find like a really consistent pace that you just stick at or does it um and that, that you're able to just tune in or does it end up varying a fair bit? Or? Uh, it varies heaps depending on where you're at, what the, um, at what point, you know, if, the, if you're going on an incline, starting to hit some altitude and stuff, mm. or if you're on a full hill down send, I mean, but that's the beauty part about it. Cause like you can go like when I was doing the Spartan ultra, which is the 60 K obstacle course race down in Brighton, 2019, Jeez. 
just going up that hill, Mount Mystic was like so long, but when you came down, it was just feeling this absolute like you're almost floating because you're just flying down and just mm. moving with the path and feeling like there's. They talk about like lines of like when you travel, line to travel, and just finding the curve. And yeah, you just get to fly and feel so much freedom because everything flows. And to me, it's yeah. those are always the best. It's like the heart. It's a hard the hard work up, but there's a high payoff on the way down as well. And the view, yeah. of course, seeing out there, Mystic getting to look all over bright is again another amazing thing. But you do find your breath will go all over the place, and that usually lets you be. It's good though for knowing about it because. It's the first thing you can dial in to be like, oh, I can't do this. Oh, wait, how am I breathing? Okay, let's bring that breath back. Maybe we're just stressing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, a, that's a really good point, actually. The, you uh, Focusing on your breathing while you're running can be such a cool moving meditation because I found that a lot as well, even on my short runs, um, because I'm at a different level, obviously, but... I'll find myself being like, geez, I should stop soon. Like I'm running. I think I need to walk soon. Then I, I'll tune into my breath and I'll be like, oh no, I can control the breath. And then as soon as I tune into that breath again, then I'm like, oh no, it's, I'm back into the rhythm. I feel good. And then, you know, the same kind of thing might happen a cup two or three times in the run, but I feel like you get better and better at catching yourself um, and going, no, yeah, exactly. Like the, the trigger is, oh, I'm feeling like I need to stop. How's my breathing? Okay, sweet. I can change it. And again, it's it's quite empowering, and it feels really good when you when you do do that. Yeah. Well, I'm inspired, mate. That's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't think I'll be going out to uh, doing any ultras anytime soon. But it's. Um, I think it's something that I've been wanting to explore in more in more depth. The um, sort of the art of running, anyway. So it's. A lot of uh, factors are combining at the moment for me to, to take that on properly. So um, I'll definitely be coming to you for advice. <laughs> if I sound a bit, you're a great person to go to, you know a lot. And um, I think that's really cool that what you're doing in terms of exploring, exploring it so deeply yourself and taking it to the extreme level and, you know, obviously exploring all the breathing mechanics and taking uh, you know, doing ultras and, and Spartan ultras and all these things, but then condensing all your knowledge and then putting that into a program where, you know, people don't have to go out and do all those things, but they can um, find a, a point of access that suits them and, you know, makes running enjoyable, which is, is what it sounds like it's all about. Actually, we should, we should, I've just realized we haven't mentioned that program to, <laughs> today so far, but um yeah, let's talk about let's talk about that. The Run for Fun program. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's just an eight week program I've been doing with a group at the moment. It's it's as I say because I love running. I mean, I love it so much now that I'm building myself up for to start in November the seventh. I'm going to do a hundred days straight of doing forty five k's every day. Yeah, right. So a marathon a day for 100 days. Marathon marathon volume, basically. Oh. So it'll be like some days yeah. Some days I might break it up throughout the day, but in the end, uh, before, the, yeah. before yeah. I call it a night, I've got to have 45Ks of running done. Right. And that, yeah. every day in my vivos and stuff. <laughs> and that's just something for me, it's because my personal little fun I want to do. Um, and that's why, so... And I wanted to do a program that could get people to find the, how enjoyable it can be. 
Because as you said, a lot of people when they run, majority of people when they run, they think they have to do it to try and burn some calories, lose some weight. Mm. And because they go in so stressed and so heightened, they actually don't do that. They start burning more sugars, which is not what their desired goal is, is to try and burn when they're trying to burn fat. And they find they get disheartened with it because they're going too hard. As you said, you started running nasally and they go too hard, working too hard, and they just it keeps hitting those roadblocks. But yeah. through this program and teaching people all the little tricks I have that from running three times a week to doing skills work and mobility work throughout the week, just so you can mm. have that weekend morning where you might only have a Saturday morning, you can get up and you want to do the park run, but you don't want to keep showing up at that park run and getting your ass handed to you at the very end of the end. Very yeah. end. So that's what I broke down with the program is I designed it to help people not just find their running mechanics so they can be lighter on their feet, but also how to repair themselves what signals do they? What signals can they take in and then change their running on the fly if certain things are happening, and then mm. not have to think of running as a I've got to do so much volume if I want to run a marathon. I've got nine times out of ten when people decide they want to run a marathon, they're running four to five times a week, and by the time they get to the marathon, they're so broken physically and mentally from just the grind. The, hitting the pavement sort of stuff that it takes away the mm. fun of just saying, I have to go out and run 42 Ks. Yeah. 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 True. So just bring, bringing the fun back into running yeah. basically and, and helping people pass those roadblocks because I'm sure a lot of people can empathize with that or can resonate with that fact that, you know, whether it's running or something else, there's always going to be roadblocks that you run into uh, along the way and how you deal with that those roadblocks uh, is very dependent on you know what kind of mindset you're going in with and what kind of guidance you've got and you know whether whether someone's prepared you for that kind of roadblock coming up and and whether you've got someone that you trust to go to and, and ask about it uh, otherwise they can sort of just de- derail your whole your whole goal and vision really and so is that um, is that program, the Run for Fun program, is that just a local thing or is it an online thing as well? It's an online thing, basically. Because yeah. I live out in Tenderfield, which is basically 16Ks from the border, um, don't have a lot of people I work with. Though, but that's I work yeah. remotely with everyone now as while traveling around to doing my breath workshops. And, yes, yeah, so this is just an online program where interact just like this. I You get to video you running and actually – deconstruct it so we can see where we're starting with and then what it's mm. telling you. So you actually, instead of just saying you're running shit, it's like, no, 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 this is what we do. This is what's happening. This is why you're having these issues, your bad mm. back, sore knees, all that sort of stuff, feeling absolutely gassed. And then we actually, that is how we construct the program. So then you can actually have it developed to where you're at with your running style instead of just do all this. It's like, no, no, okay. We got to start with here, then go to here, and that. and of course, as we've been talking about breath, it's very breath based as well. From learning mm. how to use and unblock your nose to actually then incorporating nasal breathing as you run. Yeah, wow, man, that's so valuable. What a, and how have you found the results so far? How long have you been doing it? Basically, well, I've done this throughout for about ten years now. I've been working with running and stuff, but this program is actually right. something I just put together after I didn't uh, want to. I, I've done this on one-on-ones throughout my normal coaching, and this is just something I've done recently to put together due to the fact that I just wanted to help more people running. There's a lot more people I'm hearing running out there. 
I see a lot of friends that are running and then they said they're posting, oh, I've got new shoes because I was getting shin splints. And it's like, it's not the, the shoes not going to help. You're going to end up with worse now because they got like mm. the new Nikes that have so much cushion here and little there. And yeah. So it was just, I wanted to put together something that's more accessible for everyone that can basically help them better and longer. So they can, instead of thinking, I want to get as much running as I can until I start to phase out. It can be like, I want to keep running till I'm on the deathbed. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll have to, is, is there a specific website for, for that? Is it, At the is moment, it's just communicating through social media out. so far. I'm, okay. really, I'm yeah. Yeah. Uh, reconstructing my website at the moment with all the new yeah, stuff and yeah. everything it's had, had to do a new reconstruction of it but yeah so otherwise it will be uncaged.live is where you can eventually be able to get all this from but otherwise just shoot me a message on the socials i'm very easy to talk to as we call up that way <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so and and on socials it's uh at mick uncaged or underscore uncaged yeah mick underscore uncaged yeah. 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 Sweet. Well, we'll link it all in the show notes and, um, so people can check it out. Cause I think a lot of, um, runners or prospective runners out there would, would, and should be really interested in that because I think that's such a critical thing to have some guidance and have someone, you know, with good levels of experience like yourself, um, to, to go to for technique advice and roadblock advice and, it sounds like you said you include, you know, mobility work and um, do you do you get into sort of strength training as well for running? Yes. So we do a little bit of some strength training, mainly focusing on like the knee joints, ankle joints, the ones that yeah. really get busted up. But during the, eight, during the eight weeks of the program, people, I always, I've got, I'm doing actually a little bit of grip work with someone because they're in the best spot, doing their first spot. And so I'm giving information on that mm, as mm. well. But yeah, definitely go yeah. into strength work, especially the stuff you don't like. My favorite at the moment I get everyone doing is a tibularis, um, tibularis raise, like sitting against the yeah. wall to hit that yeah. front of a shin that no one really does, and but there's bang for buck in knee strength. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, tib raises, calf raises, um, step ups, things like that. It's um, that's so huge, and and it's again, it's kind of boring slash not really glamorous type exercises um where it's just repetitive and you're just working working the crap out of these muscles and tendons basically but it really pays off because if you if you want to build up your volume um with running then you you do need a lot of load tolerance and, and obviously your technique plays a huge role in how much load goes through your body but um if you want to use your tendon springs and and a run with efficient mechanics then you, you're going to need enough strength and and um mobility through those areas so i think that's that's pretty big because i know a lot of well, i imagine a lot of running programs you know are, are probably mostly centered around technique and and actual programming like volume and you know progressions which is all obviously important but if you're missing some of those key factors, like most people are missing tibialis strength and calf strength and knee strength because just because of our lifestyles and our environments don't really promote much of that, you know, especially footwear and chairs for the most part. Um, But yeah, I think including those factors in in any kind of program is, is pretty essential. And and then tying that in with the breathing, that's um, I'm going to have to look into it actually. (laughs) 
Well, that's like what my, my uh, yeah, sorry, go that's on. what I designed the program for is because, like, as you said, it's about trying to be more sustainable for a lifestyle. We use, like, mm. so the tube raises, I get my clients doing them to help break up the day at work. So that way they still stay, they get to be actually more alert throughout the day. Because if you yeah. say you've got three sets of 20 to do, if you do one set every hour, one, you get that little bit of break. It's no more than a minute. But in the, over the day, the volume adds up. And when you do stuff like that where it's working on the skill of running, the volume needed to run isn't as much. Um, yeah. the, like as I said, for the Spartan one where the 60K, the most I ran leading up to that was more, no more than 15Ks. Yeah, but I right. focus more on the skill, yeah. and that's what this whole thing's about. Is like when you work on the skills and elements, you can almost run any distance you want as, to a certain degree. Yeah, that's epic. Yeah, I think I, like I said, I, I won't be racing out to do a hundred k, but I, I think having something to aim for, um, some kind of event or um, something in the diary where you're like, sweet, I'm keen to to. Um, train for this i think that's a, probably a big key as well that's something that i haven't had mind you we've um me and a bunch of mates have started a like a, a soccer like a small six aside soccer comp and we had our first game the other night and i was pretty gassed and so that's that's good motivation but i think also just having a having some kind of goal or some kind of relevance um to help keep you motivated is a, is a big thing is that is that something that you include in the program, like, do you do, do you get people to do a 5k or I guess it, it doesn't sound like it's as much as focused on distance, but do you generally encourage people to sign up for something or? I try to get, well, basically when people sign up, I organize a console, we chat about it and stuff mm. and I see what goals, why they want to run. And that's what we focus on. So for me, like, as I said, the 145 yeah. Ks a day, I want to do is leading up to my first child being born. Right. So I want to keep myself accountable and build up an engine. So I know when I'm on the first, when my kid's born, I should have an engine that can help out as much as possible with that. And so that's my own little personal thing, which is because mm. I don't really worry about events anymore. There's, I do them for funsies, but my, usually for me, it's a, you know what, this is in next month. I might see if I can jump in on that. Um, yeah, because yeah. my uh, with my training and lifestyle, I like to keep myself just generally keep everything within striking distance. So you only have to change up certain elements for a month or two. Yeah, true. Do. But yeah, so that's only I, mean, I with the running. I like to find what goes motivated. Some people are quite motivated. I've got a few of them that are trying to do a twelve k in Adelaide in November. Oh, yeah. Some of them actually want to be able to run while their kid rides their bike for a twelve k. So we yeah, that, okay. we oh, do set cool. markers to try and get those points and say we're going to do it this date or whatever. But, yeah, generally it's – I like to find what motivates the person for what – what got them to want to come talk to me first mm. about it and then, yeah, what's the motivation to it? Because once you find some of those – sometimes it's, the event can be more of a hassle because you think you've got to perform a certain way, whereas the act of doing it for something of enjoyment can actually create a greater feeling because you know you're getting closer to being to a point where you are enjoy yeah true yeah that's a good point and i think i think spartan i think yeah applying the individualized approach is is huge and making sure that what you're 
that you're both on the same page about what the person's working towards is really good. And I think for me, if I, maybe if I signed up for just a random 10 K event, it wouldn't be as motivating for me as say it's something like a Spartan race. Cause I love the idea of like trail running and being out in nature and, you know, not just straight running, but, um, you know, getting over obstacles and things like that. And obviously the soccer is a, uh, a good motivator for me because I want to pull my weight on the pitch. And so, yeah, it's, it's, um, I think delving into that is, is very important. Uh, that's, uh, it sounds like an epic program, man. It's well done on creating it. Yeah. I've been enjoying it. It's really, it's one of the most, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Actually. I've really been enjoying diving, diving into this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I bet. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to keep a, keep an eye on it. We'll have to keep in touch and, and, um, I'll look into doing it as well, actually, because I think I'd love to to go deeper into it all. Like I've obviously got um, maybe more of a background knowledge than most about a lot of these things, but I'm always interested to, um, I think there is something special about or something significant about working with someone who's done it all before and, and, you know, taken all of their wisdom into something and and made a program. Like there's so much you can find for free or by reading books or um, by, you know, researching on the internet, but it's just not the same as, as working with someone who's been in the trenches and um, can help guide you through different things. And, and uh, there's a different level of, accountability and motivation and i think especially when you when you add in that sort of personal factor of of um you know a consult that goes through your goals and whys and and all of these things it's it all adds up to make for a much more you're much more likely to get a better outcome rather than you know if you did all that stuff on your own it would take you a lot longer and you'd probably run into some roadblocks that you had that you'd really struggle with so yeah, it's uh, it sounds epic. Yeah, it is. I mean, for one of the examples, I just programmed for one of the guys that are doing it. He's um, he's a father, so I showed him a thing of how you tie a resistance band to a strap to a bike and go for a run, dragging this kid around. Oh, that works on activating the glutes better in his running, and now he's also getting some father son time. Yeah. And that's why I do the consults because there is the inf- all this information is out there. I've gotten it from all these other places, but not everyone can relate to a 30-year-old single person who can run anytime they want because they're an elite athlete and have just always ran for their entire life. Mm-hmm. And then some people are busy. I've got to work. I want to, I've got a family. I want to spend time with kids. I don't want to be saying, no, I can't hang with you. I've got to go for a run. How the two are yeah. completely almost polar opposites. So you can't really throw just it's hard to relate with all the information, especially when a lot of it's coming from coaches that do spend more of their time just having this extra time to incorporate whatever they want. And a lot of us in our busy lifestyles have got so many things going on. It's like, how do I put that to practice? And that's what I like about yeah. it. That's why I did this way. So there is the this is the information that this is how we can this is what we can take and make for yourself. Yeah. 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 Awesome man. That's um that's exciting. It's definitely got me more inspired and more G'd up. And um, yeah, I appreciate your time and coming on. And and uh, for anyone out there, like I said, we'll, we'll um, put all the information in the show notes and links to your Instagram and website and everything so they can check you out and get in touch. And, and like you said, the best way to get in touch is just send you a message on, on Instagram. Yep. Simple and easy. Sweet. 
Yeah, cool. And uh, that'll be a good place to follow your uh, your journey with the the marathon a day for a hundred days, eh? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching on from the sidelines. Yeah, no, thanks for having us. Eh? It's been great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's. Uh, I always love hearing uh, people's stories, especially when they're up to cool stuff like you and people who can inspire me. And yeah, it's. Uh, I do love how Instagram can connect so many like-minded people on all these different, I mean, you and I are actually pretty close geographically, but we probably wouldn't have met if it wasn't for Instagram. So it's, uh, it's great that way. It is. No, actually I do like the way it can actually make the connections can be really good. Connections can be made even though people want to put a yeah. lot of it down, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's got, it's got its, its issues, but if you use it well and, and um, use it as a tool for connection and, and I, I think especially to facilitate these kinds of connections where you're actually chatting properly with someone and, um, or, you know, see, catching up in person, things like that, then it's, uh, it's really powerful. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there about an hour on the dot and um, thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you next week.